everyone, it's Daniel Elwood and Robert Paul Johnson and I are the last nighters. We're going to be talking about the Goonies tonight. We got our baby Ruths all ready. We're actually a glass of wine here. And you can find the show notes and more at lastnighters.com slash 197. And tonight we have a returning guest and uh, something about um, equal pay or something about genders. Uh, we're having the wonderful Raylene Lightheart on two times, back to back, two times, two times. Uh, welcome back, Raylene. You were with us just last week. I can't believe that we convinced you to come back yet again. But uh, why don't you just remind everyone what you do and uh, uh, we'll get into the Goonies. Oh, okay. Well, um, I love podcasting. I've done podcasting for a while now, but mostly I'm just a mom that homeschools. Um, I'm into voluntarism. I'm into healing work. And uh, I always like to talk about the principles of anarchy and voluntarism um, inside as well as outside for total self-ownership. So it's my, kind of my passion. And you know I love movies, especially old ones. Uh-oh. Can't hear you. Hold on. Uh-oh. Daniel okay. muted himself. I muted myself because I was I was talking nonsense like I was talking about earlier. You know, I was saying, and you love us, or at least you've you've said so in the past. I, I love you guys so much. Yes, I love you guys so much. I I yes, you know it. That's why this is like my favorite podcast to do, to, to be honest with you. I, I love it. Oh, well, that's very nice to hear. Thank you very much. And and uh, in the earlier portion, when we were recording for pre-show bonus content available for Patreon people, go to lastnight.com slash Patreon. You were actually uh, up on my level, similar to um, where Robert is now. Uh, but now we got the beans about the Frank. So <laughs> we, we, we switched around a little bit. We brought uh, that movie up last week. Oh, we did. Yeah. How'd you get the beans about the Frank, right? <laughs> yeah, we, we literally just talked about something about Mary, uh, gross out comedies and stuff like that. So, yeah, we've got a bleeder. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, Robert, can you uh, give me some sound effects in just a moment as we reveal? I don't I don't know what a Goonie sound effect would be. You could do it on the spot guys. here. All right. Adventure music. Wow. Hey, you guys. We're doing the Goonies. Yeah. That's right. We're doing it. I, I I don't know why I'm like treating it like a reveal. Like the, the literal title of the, the episode is The Goonies. Mm. <laughs> Movie review. Should not be a surprise to anyone. No, no. I mean, except for maybe the illiterate who are, who are only now hearing us say what we're doing. Um, but they wouldn't have seen the logo show up because they wouldn't be able to read that either. Either way, how we usually do this is with the, uh, the Yale Google description. So we'll get underway here. This is a 1985 family adventure film, one hour and 54 minutes, rated PG. And it's a hard G PG uh, because there's a lot of uh, dick and fart jokes in this one, I think. So here is the, uh, the stats on this 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb, 77% out of Rotten Tomatoes, four out of five on Common Sense Media, and 90% of Google users love it. It's now featured on HBO at present, and it is uh, the description reads, Old Fashioned Yarn about a band of adventurous kids who take on the might of a property-developing company which plans to destroy their home to build a country club. When the children discover an old pirate map in the attic, they follow it into an underground cavern in search of lost treasure, but come up against plenty of dangerous obstacles along the way. 
release date June 7, 1985, directed by Dick Donner, uh, filmed in and around Cannon Beach and Astoria, Oregon. Uh, the story is uh, partially by Steven Spielberg and Chris Columbus. Box office of $124 million. Robert, your opening bid, please. Well, the Goonies. Yeah, it is a little bit more adult than you would originally assume, I suppose, or at least juvenile slash adult, I guess you could say. Um, it's a frenetically paced film. The, the movie, once it gets going, once they leave the house, it's just bang, 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 go, go, go. It uh, doesn't really linger too long in any one place. Uh, it's It's got a fair amount of, like you said, Power Ranger-y combine uh, talent behind the film. Uh, it doesn't, it, but as such, it kind of feels like a, a mishmash or a hodgepodge. It doesn't necessarily feel like one man's vision to create this thing. It feels a little bit more like like an all-star game. Like you would watch the NBA All-Star game. You know, they're not the best teams, so they're not going to create, like they don't have the best team play. Or defense. But they have a lot of individual talent. So you're not going to get the behind the, the back passes and that kind of stuff, but you'll get the one-on-ones going to the, to the rack for the slam dunks. How's that sports analogy for you? Um, the best. It's, it's really, really good. Uh, no, it's, uh, it plays like the, the villains in the movie, the Fratellis, they are played about as lighthearted as you can. It is, the tone is so lighthearted in this film. Like at, at some point they're not, not even uh, the least bit scary, even when they're, they almost have the, the heroes in their clutches. Cause even when they do capture them, they're like, oh, okay. Let's 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 go outside on outside into the, the pirates under the the pirate. Okay, we're holding you guys. Kind of, we're we're trying to be threatening and scary, but we're not really. So I don't know if the 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 tension is super high in this film, but it's not really trying to have a lot of tension. It's more just about uh, having a good time with a, a kind of a wacky cast of characters, and it definitely succeeds at that. You've got some memorable characters in this film that maybe you watched this movie once in 1985. You still remember. You still remember Sloth. You still remember Chunk. Mm-hmm. You probably still remember even Data, even if you don't remember his name. You remember yeah. that little the little Asian kid that with all the gadgets. Oh, you know, uh, I, forgot to, I forgot to ask you to do the truffle shuffle before you did your intro here. I don't have the 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 stomach fat anymore. I'm sorry. I at one point I'm I did. Too hot for that, guys. Okay. I'm sorry, you guys. I'm too amazing. Beach too body shape. Sculpted. Listen. Oh yeah, yeah. Me if, too. <laughs> if you wanted me to show off my washboard, I, no. So yeah, it's um. It, maybe it's not the greatest movie of all time, but I don't think it was really trying to be. I think it was just trying to take you on a fun adventure. Much like Indiana Jones style, a la with but with kids. So, um, not I don't think it's trying to amaze you, but I think it succeeded for the most part. Yeah, yeah, I, I, th- I think you're right on that. And when you watch it as a kid, uh, and and I'm thinking like early teens, it's a lot of fun because you identify with the other kids, and like we were always going on adventures and going down to uh, the frog pond and, and catching frogs or like crawling into tunnels and getting into things. 
Um, so you can kind of like see yourself in that. Well, but especially think, for the time when you would just jump on your bike and go somewhere. And that's what they oh, do yeah. in this movie. They just jump on their bikes and ride. Yeah. And it's like, like be back before dark, maybe, you know? Yeah, maybe. I mean, what? <laughs> uh, maybe I'll tell you where I'm going. I don't know. Yeah. It's so different now, man. Oh, geez. Like, it, it, I mean, my kids are still a little bit young, but I can't imagine even if they're like four or five years old or like, 13 or 14 like just riding bikes and being out not knowing where they are yeah well, and even if you were trusted your children to do that you wouldn't trust the neighbors not to try to get you arrested or have them stolen from you if you did let them i mean even if you you trusted your children to be self-sufficient not get lured into white vans <laughs> you know like the whole the whole business and you you could you your children are probably going to be very self-sufficient uh, when they're in this age group of the kids that were casted, it, it's that you also can't trust your neighbors to mind their own damn business. I mean, that is, that's real. Yeah. Right. That is a Seems different cultural shift where mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't remember my parents ever worrying or telling me, you know, tell me where you are or, you know, make sure you check it in or whatever. Cause I'm worried about somebody reporting, seeing you outside away without adult supervision or whatever yeah um it's just a different time i i think my five-year-old sister at one point got reported hey there's a little girl all by herself but she was five and she was a tiny little five-year-old so maybe Aww. whoever reported her some slack <laughs> but yeah it's it's definitely a different time now like relay is saying yeah. yeah i remember being at your house and in like occasionally checking in with my mom like calling home and being like yeah i'm over at roberts but mm -hmm. yeah it was i mean other than that i mean we could have been anywhere pretty much yeah yeah but anyway my point was that that watching this as a kid at that age uh you definitely like identify it and and the, the plot holes and like the motivations and things like don't seem to matter as much i tried watching this with my kids who are eight and six and yeah that was a bit of a mistake we made it about 15 minutes in after having to pause it like every i thought i kind of told you that watch out because it's a little naughtier than you might remember it oh yeah yeah it's way naughtier than i was <laughs> remember i did the same thing with my children years ago with my first two kids so i remember that moment yeah yeah and then, and then there's some moments that are just like a bit too scary for them mm -hmm. and and so we had to like stop it and explain stop it and explain and then and then we we're like you know what it's, it's, it's probably too much. And so then my wife and I had to finish it together. And uh, the movie, watching it as an adult, definitely does not hold up. Like, like all of a sudden, they're over here and like for random reasons. And then all of a sudden, uh, Samwise Gamgee is like on a mission, unknowing, you know, like there's no particular reason why his motivation seemed to change or, or he became like almost uh, in a relationship with One-Eyed Willie, which... <sighs> was also a bit of a, uh, there's a lot of dick jokes in this one. <laughs> <laughs> he's almost a teenager, you know. I think Spielberg's what a happens? creep, and I think he's always been a creep, and I think that's why, okay? We, we can't forget who made this movie, all right? So, uh, and he's a, he's a freaking creep, but you know what Spielberg is really good at doing is casting children in his movies. He's, uh, he knows what kids are magical and have a lot of personality and he really works that to his advantage in everything he's done with children in it. Um, that's, I don't like Spielberg personally. I, I mm. find him to be irritating and I have a lot of issues with a lot of his movies, but 
I got it handed to him about what he is good at. And he, yeah. he's good at making nostalgia pieces. He really is. Well, E.T. obviously started a lot of uh, careers as kids, right? Drew Barrymore. And I don't know if actually many of the other kids <laughs> turned into much uh, beyond that. But um, the kid Data, who you're right, Robert, I remember there was a wacky Asian kid who had all these inventions, but I didn't remember that his name was Data. But he was the kid in uh, Indiana Jones. No time for yes. love, Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones. God, that's racist. I'm sorry. I think it is. I think I broke a rule. I just love short round. Um, Temple of Doom was my favorite uh, because it was gross. And yeah, that's I, where they eat the brains. Yeah. Killed monkey brains. Yes, of course. Mm -hmm. It was disgusting. Uh, sneak surprise. Yes, I loved Temple of Doom because it was so horrific pulling out a, a beating heart out of their chest. I mean, come on. I was there for the yes i felt like a badass because i could handle it you know yeah all the other kids couldn't i remember that one um people didn't some people didn't like as much because the, the tone was so much darker yeah so they'll say they like temple of doom oh wait raiders raiders yeah. and then last crusade because sean connery i mean he just makes last crusade last the best crusade, one i think great. and then uh it's whatever the most the, complete movie yeah. Uh, yeah whatever the fourth one was was stop <laughs> right house. now stop it right now <laughs> though though that one's probably like the most like realistic crystal skull really really yeah, daniel with aliens uh, uh, you just made me speechless do you know you just did i just like uh, uh, uh. he survived the nuclear blast by getting in a refrigerator is that what you're talking about the monkeys attack the nazis Terminator 3. Terminator 3. because yeah. he somehow yeah. has control over the monkeys stop yeah i don't i don't know. see what the problem is okay Okay, fair enough. Well, maybe you'll enjoy the fifth movie that they're making right now. Right, right, with old man, old man Harrison Ford. He like broke his shoulder. Right yeah, they're gonna wheel him out in a wheelchair for the rest of the movie. It's gonna be and fantastic. His, and his two earrings, like just stop. Like, what is he doing? Harrison Ford used to. He's my first crush. Was Harrison Ford? Was Han Solo? Yeah. Big time. Yeah, right? he was. He was so cool. Yeah, yeah, and you know when the you know when you're like ew. Like all of a sudden to Harrison Ford, and it was actually um, Indiana Jones four. I said that is enough. I was angry. <laughs> I felt betrayed. <laughs> I was so upset. I I literally, you guys, it was like just this whole paradigm crashing on me when when I realized that I'd wasted my entire youth, and that I had just this just strange love for this man that just sold himself out. I was like, he betrayed me personally when he made that movie. I was very upset. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can't blame the guy. Here's $25 million. Will you reprise? The I role? can blame the guy. I can blame the guy. Okay. I, I, I can't because he made that. He starts dating Calista Flockhart. I'm like, who is this dude? What is he doing? Okay. Then he makes some shitty movie with Anne Heche. I was like, what the hell is happening? And and it's just gotten worse. Uh, and, and then Crystal Skull came out. And I was like, you know what? You're dead to me. Dead. Dead. Mm. Was, the, dead. was the Anne Heche one? Was that he was like a, a pilot of like a pontoon plane or something? Just shoot me. I don't know. It was bad. All right, $12. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right. Let's let's get back to the Goonies here. So so my point was, my kid's too young to watch it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm too old to watch it. And mm -hmm. in my prime, 
when I was out there doing this adventure shit, this was like the coolest movie around. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but but it's a it's a movie of its time. I mean, it's a time capsule. I don't think it's is necessarily meant to be enjoyed. I mean, th- that culture of kids existed then and existed for us maybe uh, for another decade. But I don't I know if it'll ever what, exist again. I don't. I think kids I, I don't, like this movie. They still have that inner adventurer inside of them. We still do. We read all these old movies, or I mean, all these old books, and we still have that spirit of adventure. This is why we were all drawn to it. Spielberg is a lot older than us. He has that spirit of adventure inside of him. He remembers being a little boy. He knows what excites him. We all still love and wanted a good Indiana Jones because we all still have that. The time capsule. Yes, it's from the eighties. The truth is, it's not a well-done movie. And it is a real slap in the face to watch it now and realize it's just, I had a grouchy attitude about it. Guys. <laughs> when I watched it recently, I was like, oh, oh, this is, every time I watch it, it keeps getting worse for me. So it's been kind of a layered approach. But I think that if my my 12-year-old watched it and my nine-year-old watched it, if you're okay with the word shit over and over and over again, a statue of a knockoff statue of David, right? Um, his penis falls off and they try to glue the penis back on and uh, upside down. Yeah. And then a uh, kissing scene and, and that, that's, that's pretty much the worst of it. Right. Well, there's a lot of, uh, you know, Anyendo. and gun violence and, uh... and see, I don't mind that so much. You know, I, 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 I think that inside every human heart beats a lust for adventure to a certain extent but i i don't know 2020 kind of uh changed my mind about that it sure seems like that quote that daniel always likes to quote that people would rather have security rather than dangerous liberty or whatever he says that's seems why they to want to watch case. it on a movie though friend they don't want to actually do it because they're wussies but they want to watch it and pretend that's them so you're gonna live vicariously it. through chunk uh, yeah, everybody lives vicariously through freaking. What are they watching now? Like, uh, not James Bond anymore. What is it now? Um, that they, they're watching TV shows on Amazon with Jim from The Office, pretending to be some kind of oh yeah, Jack Ryan. Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, they're all still doing that. that. That's not going to change. In fact, we're probably going to get more of it again because people are such wusses. We are. That's what my prediction. I, I think that everyone's just living in a simulation. Um, of their own well, device. that's that's kind of my point, though, that I don't know if the generation because I, I don't see kids running around on their bicycles. It's just not a, a, a thing you see anymore. Well, I don't know about a video game. Yeah, yeah. They, maybe they would be the only time they went outside was to play like Pokemon Go to catch your like Pokemons. Now you don't see them on their bicycles riding around the neighborhood. Uh, so you think you think kids today watching this like twelve to fourteen would just be like, "What's going on here? This doesn't make any sense." Like, well, just I just don't know if with it. I just so, don't know if they'd identify with. It. They wouldn't. They wouldn't look back on this movie or watch it when they're a kid and then look back on it with nostalgia. Like, oh yeah, I remember when I used to do things like that. Yeah, I, I don't. Like, I think I don't think kids are growing up like that. It's like when we see uh, movies with like an airport and people can actually go and meet you at the gate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I remember it's that like, was a so thing. quaint. I remember that used to be a thing, yeah. They're still having movies without people wearing masks, which is going to be gone in about two years. They're going to have no movies with people walking around without masks, probably. 
Probably. It's like, oh, did yeah. I just ruin everything for everybody? Um, Black pill. <laughs> can I again? I'm sorry, guys. It's been a, it's been a week, I guess. I uh, did. Did everyone watch this movie and go, oh, it's the original Stranger Things, just not as good? <laughs> did anyone do that? <laughs> it definitely has some of that vibe for sure. It 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 did. And and do you guys remember watching um, Super Eight? That movie, Super Eight. Yeah, Super Eight, sure. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it. There's a there's a recipe for it, right? But um, this had such a Stranger Things feel to it, and I realized that that was probably a huge inspiration for it. Um, I think Stranger Things the quality is uh, banging comparatively, but I mean, this is the especially 80s. the first season for sure, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. I think Stranger Things went downhill after that. What season are they on now? Three or four? I think They're I only watched four is about to come out. Okay, so we probably only watched the first two, and I really enjoyed the first season and the second season not so much. And I, I we might have gotten rid of Netflix before the third one came out. Season three involved the most ridiculous plot of all time, where there was a secret Russian base underneath the the mall that the kids worked at. <laughs> oh, okay, definitely didn't know that one. Yeah. I thought it was fun, and it reminded me of Goonies, though. It did. It was exactly the same. Oh, it's underneath this restaurant that must have been there at the time. Come on. Okay, but the tone yeah. totally changed. Like the first season, there's not that goofy, silly, slapsticky. Yeah. And the, the Russian villain are the stupidest people you've ever met. Same as the Italian guys. Like it's <sighs> it's the same, you guys. This was the Goonies season. What was yeah. season three? All right. So speaking of that restaurant, Robert, that reminded me of that scene in one of the recent Star Wars movies where he had the freaking dagger. Yep. He stood in the exact spot. Yep. And lined everything up. Yep. All right. Impossible. And <laughs> um, but I Goonies that, did it better. They did like, do it better. Star Wars ripped it off, but it was way From stupider when Star Wars did it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I agree. The Star Wars one, and it might have been a nod to this, right? Yeah. It uh, must have been. It must have been. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, and George Eddie, Lucas and Steven Spielberg are good friends. It yeah. had to be. So maybe maybe that actually salvages some of the Star Wars version of it. Because it's no. like, okay, if it's an interior nod, inside no. joke. No. Then... <laughs> nope. <laughs> Yeah, you got to make it, you have to make it known. If you're going to make a nod, it needs to be an obvious nod. There like needs when, to be when a... Sloth tears off the shirt it, and he's got the Superman shirt. Absolutely. And uh, the Errol Flynn, I'm just writing on my notes, Errol Flynn. That was beautiful. That was like crowning jewel of the movie, obviously. And again, that it feels like that was an inspiration to this idea as watching all those old movies. Um, who doesn't like that crap? that crap okay what was the most unrealistic scene for you daniel the most and obviously that's a leading question because i have a scene that i have in mind that is obviously <laughs> the most unrealistic i mean there's so many unrealistic yeah. i mean, just to think yeah that, there's that... there's a clear number one in my What's mind the one that you can remember the most that stands out well i mean almost everything in it is is totally ridiculous but um i mean as far as like the structure of this cave labyrinth built by these pirates with all these booby traps and water slides and, and the Rube Goldberg machine with the ball, <laughs> the bowling ball. Yeah. Like <laughs> obviously, you know, 
It was obviously yes. called back to the house, but still, like, ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, he could have so... just opened the gate, because the, the way the string was, to, like, it didn't unlock it. You could have just walked in. That, right. That was ridiculous. But but if, if we're talking about just one element, I think it was the, the water pipes, and then moving them up and down, and the guy, like, trying to drink the water. Like, oh, oh. <laughs> that was the only um, real sh- anything time that they showed the bad guys other than when they came to drop off the paperwork to sign and then at the very end where they really bring in the the country club guys that one scene where they're at the like banging on the pipes and then it was messing with the people at the country club that was the only reference but how 80s was that i mean how many movies have we seen where things like that happened where uh the the good guys are in this one spot and, and it's messing with the water and the pipes and everything that was happening that was, felt so 80s to me but it was so out of place yeah. in that movie wasn't it like yeah so out of place okay. yeah it felt more like a caddyshack moment or uh yeah something else some other kind of silly 80s comedy movie i mean i'm, I'm glad it's there because it does make it like more farcical or whatever but, you know, the Google description talks about, like, they're going to lose their house to this developer who's going to build a country club. Like, I feel like that entire premise is sort of only talked around a little bit. Like, it's sort of partway presented, but not clearly enough to where it's articulated uh, as a driving motivation. And, you know, they say, well, this this house might be a golf course when, you know, when they tear it down the house. But they're obviously on this like hilly area, like in Astoria. In a neighborhood. Yeah, there's no way there's going to be a golf course, country club uh, in that That's... kind of place. Unless they're going to level it. Like, you know, in Seattle, they had um, uh, all these hills that got leveled. And now it's now it's a, an area where like Amazon is. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, there were some holdouts, uh, people who weren't going to sell their land. And so they still had their house on the top of these like they 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 bulldozed like all the surrounding uh, land around them up situation yes like a cartoon yeah they called them spite mounds and so people still lived up there because they were like the holdouts not willing to to sell their land but anyway um it was very unbelievable and i felt like the uh the whole premise the the driving force behind this just didn't really hold up to any scrutiny though because of the type of movie it is it probably doesn't really matter but um related to them getting foreclosed on it's not as if the the land developer is like doing anything untoward Nef- like nefarious yeah these guys haven't paid their mortgage so and why is, why is on. the whole neighborhood not paying their mortgage what's going on that they're all not paying their mortgage when they don't seem to work at the same place you know? right so it's so it just feels like oh we just need to have some sort of it's a bare bones problem. excuse to have an adventure yeah, well, it's like all those movies where, oh, we need $50,000, like in Dirty Work. or It's Dirty Work or Half Baked. It's yeah. any movie or Happy Gilmore. It's any movie where we need a bunch of money, so we got to go do something ridiculous to get the money. Even though I think they wanted to do it anyway because they wanted to have an adventure. He, I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't even about finding money. It was going on one last adventure. The, the, the impetus kind of did evolve and change, and mm-hmm. they never told us that. I mean, like even though they, they wanted to go do it, it was never like, let's go do it and find money so we could save our family. They were like, let's just go do this one bit last thing together before we have to move, right? Right, 
Yeah, that was uh, what's his name's big speech. Like yeah. up there is their time, and down here it's our time. This is our last time. It was so good. So, yeah. oh, I have I have a thought for you. I know that you. I want to get back to you, Robert, and what your question was because I want to hear your example. But I wrote uh, the archetypes as Ninja Turtles. Um, I have Mikey, who's the philosopher and the leader, is obviously Leonardo. I got Chunk as Michelangelo. I have Mouth as Raphael. Mm-hmm. And I have Data as Donatello. Yep, for and sure. And then I got Brand as Casey Jones. I have Andy as April. And Steph is just a badass. No splinter, but but who's Steph? I don't know, but I love her. She's my favorite. Um, and that's it. But uh, what do you guys think of that? I, yeah. I think you're you're right on. And, and that strong. actually Thanks. ties into another point, And that is um, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles video game, Impossible to Defeat. And there was a Goonies video game that I vaguely remember playing. I, I think it I was never a Nintendo it. game. Yeah. Yeah. There was a original uh, NES is the only one that ever had a Goonies uh, video game. But I do believe that there's a Goonies board game out there somewhere. That sounds like something that might have come later, maybe? Yes. Okay. Might be an RPG. I'm not sure. Mm. Anyway. So thank you for that. So Robert, what's your ridiculous part of the movie? So I thought the most ridiculous thing, and I, maybe I know they set the movie up. I said they set up the uh, country club guys as being, you know, anxious to get these signatures, to anxious to close this deal, anxious to, to finalize the whatever. So they show up at the house. But then they show up at the beach where with the paperwork ready to sign when do they even really know that the that the parents are going to be there? How how do they is this just some fortuitous conflicts? Because the movie doesn't explain that at all. It's just everybody, everybody in the movie just shows up at the end at the beach. And then he's like, oh, by the way, now that you're here, here, sign this paperwork. (laughs) It just never happened ever. I was wondering that also. I was like, did they hear the dynamite and then all go towards it? The police, they're a small town. Maybe the cops are hanging out in the living room, drinking coffee, waiting to hear some tips with the parents. And then the, the real estate guys are outside following them to the beach. Yeah, but was there even, even like, we didn't get any of that when the kids were missing. There was I, none of that there. We don't get any perspective outside of the kids perspective. So we don't know the, town the anxious town the, the oh no our kids are missing oh no the the news people are all trying to find the kids and oh we found them and here's the live broadcast and the kids are down here on the beach and then the 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 real estate guys go oh this might be a good time to get a signature from the parents because the parents are going to want to be down at the beach too none of that they just magically all show up all at the same time and they have the paperwork on them typical <laughs> spielberg guys this is why i don't like spielberg it's typical it was just all too easy and wrapped up in a nice little boat the very end in this one scene and it just smacked of pure hollywood ridiculousness i'll take all the rest of the movie take it all the rest but the the last scene was just jumping the shark for me it's really bad 
like you guys, I was such a grouch. You know, I'm a pretty uh, positive person. I think that you guys know that. And, uh, and, and I mean, Dan has lectured me that I can't have more than one favorite because it means that nothing's your favorite. He literally gave me the same lecture. He gives mm. his child, his four-year-old mm -hmm. at the time, I believe. Okay. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I just want to point that out that I've had to have a talking to because I, every movie is my favorite, but this movie was just pissing me off because I, I felt so old and curmudgeon -y, you know? Um, and, uh, the ridiculousness, I was so mad. I'm, I'm. I'm flouncing in bed watching the movie and I'm just like, Ugh. like just, just being a brat. <laughs> and it's because these children are hiding in the restaurant from the bad guys and they're all screaming. Shut oh, yeah. up. Shut up. <laughs> they do, do the same thing in the, in the cavern too. In the, they're, like... and they're underneath the floorboards and they go, what? They scream. And then the next person screams and they're like, Oh, shh. Sh and then, and then and they're then, screaming again as if nobody could hear them. Yeah. And they're like, shh. No, I don't know if you guys know this, but if you want to hide, you don't yell shh at anybody because shh is louder than mouthing words. It just is. Shush is loud. And if you really want to hide from somebody, you know that. All right. Everyone can hear a shush. We can all hear it. This is so idiotic to me. And uh, it was just so many things like Chunk, of course, he's so excited that if that he's going to smash his pizza or his sandwich and his milkshake against the window watching this car ch chase in the beginning and gasoline on a ground and, and shooting it from the car is going to set everything on fire. I mean, you got to suspend reality from the very first moment you watch this movie, obviously. Oh, yeah. OK, but the being loud when they're hiding. And they, that made me mad. If it was one kid like Chunk, which is kind of the fall guy and the comic relief and all that, it, it, if he's the idiot, that's fine. But they're all idiots. And it made me mad. So they, they would have got caught. And I, I got angry with, about it. So that's, I have a look at my notes. says, too noisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you contrast that scene with that scene in The Matrix where they are sliding down the inside wall and the Smiths are all around. And then like Neo sneezes and that's it. Or, or no, Cypher, actually Cypher who's in this movie sneezes. Hmm. Sneezes. It, ha it happens. Yeah. It, it, like he covers his mouth and he sneezes and they're like, somebody's in the walls. These kids are screaming underneath the floorboards and it's an old rickety place. Not well insulated. I think they would have heard him. Yeah, there's no insulation at all between the basement and the floor. Like you can literally yeah. see through the cracks and everything. Yeah. But yeah, you just you guys just reminded me. So our kids watched the first 10 or 15 minutes. I had to explain suicide. Mm -hmm. I had to explain <laughs> I got I got a <laughs> how Epstein didn't kill himself. I had to explain <laughs> uh who the bad guys were and why they were shooting at people. And uh so this is definitely not a uh, a young kids movie. Oh. Definitely no. not. My parents videotaped this on a VHS, you know, off of television for me as a kid. That's how I got to see this movie because my parents were cheapskates and they didn't do anything for me um, unless it was on television already. So they videotaped it. So do you know that I never saw any of that opening scene because they didn't start videotaping it until the car chase in town. Um, mm. So I never got to see that that part until I was an adult and there were no, they used to edit out the language. 
So that was taken out. The penis, the, the broken penis was taken out. So I didn't get to see any of that. So the first time I put it on for my children, I, it was shocking. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Same thing. Same. Yeah. 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 I feel like this, the audience was like teenagers and up for the most part, Teen like teenagers to, I don't know, 18, 20, maybe back in the day. I don't know. Maybe adults were watching this or taking their kids to it, I suppose. But it was mostly right. like a teenager. Back when teenagers would get together and go out and do things and go to the mall by themselves, that kind of thing. Go to the arcade, go to the mall, go see a movie. Yeah. And that's the other thing. Like, why would anyone go to a movie called The Goonies? Like, did The Goonies mean anything? It was called The Goondocks. Um, they have pictures of the kids on the set back in the day. And I believe that there's a line talking about it. And it was, they were, th that spot in Astoria were called the Goondocks. It was supposed to be a poor area, but, but we don't know any details. That's it. I mean, we're giving. Yeah, but why would, why would a movie with worldwide release, like, why would anyone know what that is? Okay, so this is what I think it's the same as uh, the Gremlins or uh, Revenge of the Nerds. I think the Goonies, I think it was supposed to, to, they were supposed to be outliers. And they were supposed to feel, like, just like in Stranger Things, they were the nerdy kids. And yeah, kind of the Losers Club, that kind of thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. So it was, it was, they were just trying to popularize a, a, a word that would stand for that, hoping it would take off, I think. That's what I think. Okay. Right. Yeah, very much like in it with the loser club. Yeah. Is that what they're called? The loser it, club? It, it, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. So it's just a name that they stuck with and happened to be, it became a word because of the movie. They tried. It, it was, it was, it was forced. It was definitely part of it. It's branding. I think, I think it was supposed to be mean something and that they, it's a uh, like taking um, when they're poor and it's like they're owning it and reclaiming it. And it's a part of their identity, but it's kind of mm. an F you also. That's a whole thing. That's a shtick. They do that in movies a lot when, especially when they talk about people from the poor side of town, they have a specific name for them in different right. uh, movies and books. Or like mm -hmm. when uh, Hillary Clinton referred to the basket of deplorables and then all the Trump supporters started calling themselves deplorables. It's the same mentality. Absolutely. So yeah. it's kind of like if everyone calls you a bad name because you're from the other side of the tracks, then you wear it with pride and you're like in your own little street gang, you know, like the jets and stuff, you know? Um, right. But yeah. then if, if anyone else ever uses that word, then they get in trouble. It's a slur. Yeah. 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 It, it's, it's, it's reclaiming it. So, and that is a human thing culturally. We, we see it all the time. So, yeah. And I think Absolutely. that, that, yeah, he was just making up his own name for it uh, or that's what they were doing in the movie. And then I, I think that they were hoping it would kind of pick up and mean something. And I think that's what they were trying to portray. We didn't understand that they didn't seem very poor. Chunk is by himself in a restaurant, buying himself all the a milkshake, for goodness sake. When you're poor, you just can't go out and buy yourself a milkshake at a restaurant and eat out all the time. I mean, there's a lot of, and you don't have a cleaning lady or somebody to help you pack, um, you know, uh, if you're poor, if you're not paying your mortgage, you're going to hire some Hispanic lady to do all your packing for you. Um, no, you do it yourself. 
but there, there's a lot that doesn't always add up again i feel like spielberg like it's just whatever's convenient for the storytelling but he does make magical storytelling he still creates it that sense of adventure he does really well with that so he does for yeah. sure yeah yeah so even though it's not entirely coherent and we don't understand the motivations or the backstory it's still kind of a fun movie uh it's all the stuff kids alike with a lot of practical you know effects going on and i'm sure those are really cool and robert you were saying that uh the one-eyed willy version is like a scaled up version of what we see earlier on in the house so there's like the echo of that or the uh premonition or what do you, what do you call it um foreshadowing foreshadowing yeah well, he yeah. also with said the, with the Rube Goldberg machine. That, that's right. what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah like yeah, mousetrap, yeah. like mousetrap, yeah. like the game. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. And, so... and this is at Mike's Mike Walsh's house, right? So yeah, Data has all these individual inventions, mm -hmm. but Mikey has the Rube Goldberg stuff, and that's how he is like Willie. Right. And but they this say is all like, a lot of like. You have to like piece it together. It's sort of just like inferred in a vague sense. It all comes together at the very end of the last scene, though. I mean. Poorly, but but they but I mean for kids it's enough, right? But he says I think we're a lot like he wanted to go up there and have an alone moment to talk to Willie and everyone. I'm watching this and I'm laughing, going, "How come I never realized how weird it is?" Because all those kids would have been like, "Screw you, we're coming up there. Or you're not going to sit up there and have a long conversation with this with with the pirate that's dead without us." And then they do kind of poke fun at that silliness by turning around and they're all standing there watching. Right. All right. Oh, so. here, here's another thing that's unbelievable and weird. When he gets up into Willie's uh, yeah. chambers, they, they re something pops down and they reveal like this board that above them. Something. It's, something's There's written a on bunch it. of writing on it. Yeah. They don't bother to read it. What? That bothered me they, too. They immediately yeah, me say, too. smash through it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, why? Why? Why would you think that this thing should be smashed through? <laughs> I, that, that, that's right. the first place that, they went to. That happened way too fast. They should have had a, at least a moment of dialogue where have somebody... Mouth, like, translate something and be like... I bet they did and they had to cut it. I bet they did. Probably. Because there's a lot of connecting moments that, that didn't quite make sense. Like they barely escaped through this new trial that they have to go through. Let's say like the piano situation, which was always my favorite as a child, by the way. I love that part. Um uh, there's no way those little 10 year olds could have kept Josh Brolin from falling. You watch it now. You're like that physically is impossible, but okay. Um, so they get through and then here's the bad guys just walking around the long way. What? <laughs> yeah. What? What the yeah. hell? <laughs> like, like they should be able to get through and you never, that was one of the only times where you actually saw how the bad guys got through after they did. Right. You don't ever watch them trying to problem solve after the kids got through and the booby traps go off. We don't get to see how they go through, which I think would be really fun to watch. Like if they ever did a like they could do short films of just showing the different segments of how they actually had to get through, which would be really funny. Like now, um, in my opinion, I think completely so agree. Completely yeah, agree. That'd be a lot of fun. An, an honest trailers to this, because I bet it would be pretty good. Be pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. One, of those, one of those pitch meeting uh, oh yeah pitch meeting that'd be fantastic uh, now that you guys mention it with the Rube Goldberg stuff I it makes me kind of want there to be a little bit of character development like so it was Mike right his house there he had the Rube Goldberg mousetrap yes. thing yeah. yeah like why does he he's do the parallel why does he really? have it other than to establish some kind of link between him and Willie 
which I don't know if you need that. Why have it that he set this whole mousetrap thing up at his house and then not have it come into play later in the movie being like, oh, there's something wrong with this mousetrap that Willie set up. It's gotten old or something in the, in the intervening years. Yeah. And I know how to fix it because I'm really good at these kinds of things. You're and right. then that's, and then that would be like a completion of the circle for that missed guy's character. Huge yeah. missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but can I just ask you guys, because why we have that. I had that shit. I was that person. I was the person setting up trip wires for no reason outside in my backyard or front yard through the woods in my little trails. I was always trying to dig pits and cover them up with sticks and leaves so that I could catch a bear or a bad guy. Did you, I mean, I'm, I was like 14. You were making buoy pits? At 14. You know, those girls that were at the mall. I was outside. Yes. Making traps in my woods because I wanted to, but you know, what's really hard making a hole big enough for a fucking bear. You give up. I never finished it, but I tried. And I was like, I'll slow them down, mother effers. Like, did you guys do things like that just to invent things? I did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we messed around with stuff all the time. We went so down that's to- that's why they uh, showed it, because that kid yeah. uh, likes the idea of it, and it was just enough of a-, of a You know, I wonder, he had the asthma, right? And yeah. and Brand even says, oh, he should live in a bubble or something, because he needs to be, you know, protected from illness, right? Like, that. that that's a- foreign concept these days i'm sure whatever they wonder, gave him to protect him from illness gave him that asthma right probably but uh, i wonder if he had this rube goldberg machine to open the gate so that he wouldn't have to go down there and open it himself and get winded could be but then he'd have to reset it every time every time anybody walked through the gate he'd have it's to reset like the whole damn thing 10, ten times the yeah, amount of work it always ten, was 10 times more like a thousand times the way I want to work than just and having Chuck, somebody Chuck open up the, the like gate themselves. The gate. Yeah. Guys, did that bother you so much? Because just the who, okay, I'm going to start over. The design of this setup made me so angry yesterday because it all of it did at the very end, all it does is have a string that pulls the latch and opens the, the gate in the same way that he could have just reached over and opened it himself. Trump yes. could have. Yes. And that was very angering. I thought that was some BS. Like they didn't even make it any kind of cool. It was, uh, that was bad. Even I would, it was just, something. it was bad and pointless other than to establish some kind of weird connection between him and Willie that Willie liked to do the same thing he liked to do. It, it was, it, it was to... missed opportunities, like you said, Brandy. Um, yeah. One other thing. Did I miss a scene? Because at the end of the movie, Data is like Mr. Like invention guy. And then his dad comes out and he's got like a bad invention. And he's then he's an like, Data, like you're daddy. my best invention ever. Was there something in the beginning about establishing Data's parents? No, it just he just fails all the time at it, and he really struggles with his self-esteem and identity. It was very obvious to me. So you are correct. They could have done a better job developing the characters earlier on with some kind of backstory, especially with the ending. Okay, the ending was so um, momentous, beautiful, heartwarming. I have notes about it that I'd like to talk about. Wonderful parents in so many ways. So I, I did want to talk about that. And um, so you had that moment, but... His, they did kind of allude to his uh, things not working very well, right? And you could tell that he wasn't always successful in what he was creating with his inventions. So I think that's what it was about, that 
his dad also is kind of a work in progress with that. And then ultimately they shared a bond and that it's, it's better to try and to continue to create, even if it's uh, not what other people would think was super valuable. Right. Mm-hmm. It's the best okay. you can do so I must've missed a scene theater. in the beginning. There must've been yeah. some scene. It, it felt like, um, I mean, granted the movie was already two hours long, so I'm sure that they didn't have a whole lot of extra space to fill in, but you almost need to establish some kind of rift between each of the main characters and their parents. And then yeah. them going missing causes the parents to be like, Oh, I should have appreciated that bother me. Yeah. Shouldn't actually bother me. Especially and then for a, a kid's movie. Yeah. 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 It would have really made the, the ending much more of an emotional hit home. Like, like I for me, it felt, it felt pretty flat. I mean, there was a, I appreciated what we got, but it, it seems like missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I wanted mouse dad to kind of be a jerk, you know? Uh, absolutely. And, yeah. And well, then, and he wasn't, he was a jerk to his dad. Right. Right. He even called him son. Oh, can you turn that down, son? Right. You're like, I, when he said son, I was like, is this just the plumber calling that kid's son? Because this is the eighties. Right. Like I, I was wondering. And then I was like, he's like, okay, dad, whatever. He's mouthing off to him. And you were, it was surprising. You would have thought that he would have had a little of a rougher home considering his personality. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, I wrote good parents and I, my favorite line of the whole movie was when he was, they were going through the attic and they're, and they're finding all the treasure stuff and which was an extended scene considering how many things were not in the movie was that, that attic scene. And he's telling the story of one eyed Willie and uh, his brother brand is telling him to stop. And he goes, my dad tells me the truth. And then he continues to tell the story. You guys, that is, I'm sorry, this is like, it was important to me. I thought this is something that is missing from media. This is something that's missing from uh, what you hear children saying, and especially children's media, that it is rare to see children 100% trusting their parent. And standing and, up for them. And yeah. Right. And having a positive male role model. That's yeah, they usually right. buffoons. So I have like goosebumps. It, you guys, or that, assholes. Was an, that was the best line of the entire movie, in my opinion. I think it is rare and I think it was beautiful, especially back in the 80s, because that is when the buffoonery of dads was a hot. And, and I remember it was coming in hot all the time. Parents are stupid. And it hasn't stopped. <laughs> no, no, it's only gotten worse. <laughs> I mean, and, and so when he goes, my dad tells the truth, he stood up to his brother. His brother didn't argue with him. It was that his brother was becoming a skeptic and no longer believing in the magic, but his dad believed in the magic. It was something that was, a, it was a hobby at least of his, I mean, sure. so much that he has this whole attic full of this stuff and that it was showed that he had these really beautiful father son bonding moments with Mikey where he would share his passion with him and that sense of adventure and they tell these stories and you could tell that it really impacted Mikey and, and that he wanted to share it with his, his brotherhood in a way. Right. I thought that was just one of the most amazing things to see in a movie. Um, so just for that, I think it should get an extra point on my end. I thought it was beautiful. Okay. All right. Well, I, I, that reminds me of another thing from the attic and that is Mikey 
handing the painting <laughs> to Chunk, knowing the Chunk is going to drop it so that Mikey can say, oh, I didn't drop it. It reminds me of, uh, you know how the Constitution apparently is supposed to prevent the government from uh, infringing upon certain rights. Mm -hmm. But if they get the private sector to do it for them or a bureaucratic agency to do it for them instead of Congress doing it or the executive branch mm -hmm. to do it, then they can claim, oh, well, then we didn't actually usurp the Constitution. This is a totally legit and totally uh, above board thing that we can now mandate or, or require be done. So that was, Mikey was Biden handing the, the painting to OSHA to get around um, sometimes the captain of a ship has to know how to get around the rules okay we're talking about a, a a boy that feels a a kinship with a naughty naughty pirate that stole a lot of stuff so uh, i think that mikey being a a good-hearted boy still knows how to break the rules when he wants something really really bad doesn't he like, right. Yeah. And a, and a way to get around it. Or it's similar to how um, with the First Amendment thing, like, yeah, they'll they'll have the mainstream or the social media agencies do it for them at their yeah. best. Yeah. But because it's a private entity doing it, they can claim, oh, it's not actually a, a violation of, of any amendment. I thought it was pretty subtle for the way this movie's made when he was counting it on his hands, like one, two, how long will it take him? But Considering how overt all the other things in this movie are, because it is for children, I thought that was pretty subtle. I didn't pick it, that up when I was a kid. I didn't pick that part up. I didn't even mm. notice it. You know, it was just. Yeah. And they establish it with with the David uh, statue getting dropped. Yeah. Where they all like go, oh, Chuck, you're going to break it. You're going to break it. Yeah. 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 They so, foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Well, let's foreshadow some. Uh, some ratings and reviews here. I don't know what we're going to rate it out of. Um, how many doubloons? The blooms. Okay. Or doubloons, right? Doubloons? Doubloons? Doubloons. Like the balloons. The balloons. The balloons. Doubloons. All right. So, Robert, let's go with you for your final summary review and how many doubloons out of 10 you're going to give this for the old one eyed Willie? Well, you know, it's it's definitely not a, a, a perfect movie. I, I still go back to my all-star game analogy, although because, you know, usually you have a lot of individual talent, but the game is pretty sloppy. And you, you sometimes have, um, you know, all-star talents bumping in and up against other all-star talents and other egos. And uh, maybe, you know, maybe they didn't all get along. Who knows? Or maybe this is just the, the time and the best thing they could do. Uh, but it definitely seems like, yeah, it probably ran a little long and then they cut a fair amount out is what it feels like, but it's still at the end. It's a, it's a fast moving frenetic type pace movie that is, I don't think it's just meant to be, I think it's meant to more be enjoyed and less to be thought about. It, it's, it's what it feels like to me. And it definitely feels like an, a, a, a movie of its time. Um, it, it does a lot of eighties things. Um, and some of those are good things and some of those are not so good things. Um, it's fun to see these actors that would go on to do a lot more work, uh, in their original roles. Um, because even then, like you would think that an entire movie made up of kid actors 
would be atrocious. But these kids, he got out of a lot. I mean, Donner, I don't know if he was the one working with them hand in hand, really getting like, uh, you know, good performances, or if it was just a matter of these kids all getting together and hanging out and getting to know each other and during rehearsals and getting comfortable with each other and becoming friends with each other and then just turning the cameras on. Uh, it seems to be that was some of what kind of captured the magic here because a lot of times you'll see you'll get a kid actor in with a bunch of adults and then the kid actor really sticks out like a sore thumb because the kid actor's not going to be able to act alongside these adult professionals one-on-one -on -one, and they're not going to hang out as friends and they're not going to be as comfortable with them as if they're hanging out with kids their own age doing their own thing. So uh, in a way, that's it's a smart way to build a movie. If you're going to do it with kids, do it with all kids or with a lot of kids mm -hmm. and have them be a tight-knit group. Because uh, much like Raylene brought up Stranger Things, it's kind of like a lot like that where the kids are all the same age and they probably are hanging out and getting to know each other and becoming friends and rehearsing together and just becoming really, really comfortable in these characters and being around each other. Uh, so that, that at least doesn't stick out like a sore thumb. Um, but the, the movie itself is, you know, it, it, it mostly achieves what it tries to do. Just don't think about it too much. And I think you'll enjoy it. Um, I don't know if you're going to hate watch it like Raylene did, but um, just don't be too critical. Uh, don't don't look at it with too much cynicism, and then I think you'll you'll have an okay time with it. I can't I can't say it's a masterpiece, um, but it definitely deserves some credit for what it did. Mm -hmm. uh, in the fact that it's got the memorable cast of characters like they talked about in the intro that you still remember to this day and I'll probably remember my entire life. So that in alone is, 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 is an achievement. Um, I'm going to give this one seven de balloons out of 10 and um, I'll leave the other three for Willie. That's right. Oh. You got to leave Willie his share. That's I right. love that. <laughs> All right, really. What's your final summary review here? All right. So, if you would have asked me where this movie was on my scale, just for my memory, nine. Uh, watching it with a critic's eye, it would be at a five. And I'm going to give it a seven because it is good fun. Uh, the actors are amazing. They all have a really great energy. They do a great job together. I mean, seriously, phenomenal. Uh, they, they obviously took direction really well. I think any issues I had with the movie were, were not at all with that. And there's pirates and adventure and water slides, danger, skeletons, like gross out stuff. There's bad guys who are capable of committing violence. There's a heartwarming story where um, Chunk meets somebody who has apparently dropped on his head and now he is completely malformed, which makes no sense. Uh, but you know, he didn't even have to ask his mom. He just said, you're going to come live with me now. So, so again, really great parents. You could tell that these kids are very supported and loved at home. I love that. And, uh, I definitely think everyone should show this movie to their kids once they can hear the word shit and see a clay penis. Um, I, I think that it is good adventure. And I think that all kids will 
identify with this movie, even though there are different times. I, I think that I watched Stand By Me and I was never allowed to leave for days and, and follow train tracks, but I still felt the spirit of that adventure too, um, even though it was decades before I was born. And I think that the spirit of adventure thrives in all of us because uh, that's what we're all looking for, especially boys. Um, I think this movie probably really resonated with boys even more than girls, to be completely honest with you. Um, I, I, I always identified with the boy characters a little more than the girls. But um, I, I think that out of all the 80s movies, they, there's normally a lot of nasty, nasty bullying and the brothers and sisters are really mean to each other. And although we saw a little bit of that with Chunk um, and, and Mouth, which is a kind of a stinker, you know, they, Chunk also deserves it because he's full of shit and he lies. And so I think it kind of works out and that's just the ribbing that they give him for, for what he does. And I feel like when the brother was mean, the older brother brand was mean. You, you see later where he really comforts his brother when he was emotional. And so it, it seems kind of like uh, it was understood in kind of a pecking order sort of way. It wasn't so much as bullying as it's just the way that they communicated with each other, but there are very close relationships in this movie. And I think there are much, much worse movies out there um, that we were watching and probably soaking up subliminally. And I think this one wasn't so bad. Yeah. So seven. All right. Very good. Very good. Not too bad. Uh, I agree with a lot of what you guys have both been saying. Granted, we were, I think, a bit harsh in the uh, episode itself. Our reviews are, our scores are actually pretty favorable for this movie. Um, I think it is a nostalgia movie for the most part. Like, I, I, I know that you think that, that kids of this generation will be able to watch this and identify with it. And, and maybe in a certain respect, but there it's going to look a little bit foreign to them, the running around on their bikes, just going miles away from home and being out late and whatnot. But uh, for us, for, for Robert and my, you know, growing up and, and watching this, like this reminds us of a time in our life. Granted, we didn't have the Rube Goldberg machine. We didn't find uh, rubies and emeralds and diamonds and things like that. But we did go around uh, into these different, um, you know, types of situations and areas looking for adventures and, and being out running around. Uh, and so for that, like this kind of holds a place for me in like reliving some of that and, and being able to go back and watch this movie uh, has a bit of a sentimental uh, pull to it. The movie itself, it's like a series of scenes that they wanted to have in there um, and they wanted to have these set pieces play out, but they didn't really tie them together all that well. So you have to forgive some of those potholes and, and I'm sure some things were cut out because of time and whatnot, but uh, it still, it tells enough of a story to get you down the road to finding Willie's treasure and saving the day uh, in the made up problem that they had in the original uh, opening scene. So overall it's, it's still pretty good. And you can definitely see that there are uh, a lot of well uh, regarded filmmakers at play here. Um, doing one that, that, you know, they probably didn't have to like bring their A game to, to make a competent movie that, that did well at the box office. So with that, I'm going to give this a six and a half, uh, and Goonies never say die.
Fair scores all around. I like it. Yeah. Fair score. And seven years ago, we uh, <laughs> started this podcast. Now this this uh, I I I really expected this episode to be more of the adoration of this film rather than the decimation of this film. But uh, you know, I'll take it. It's content, and that's it's a that's, mix. That's all we're going. There's some for. praise. There's some praise in there. I think we had to be really honest. I, you guys, I had to really challenge myself to be honest because I don't want to be. I wanted to keep my glamour, and um, but Your then I was like, glasses on. Yeah, and then I was like, you know, it still doesn't. It's still not the quality that Karate Kid is. So I mean, I got to be honest with you guys. I have to tell the truth <laughs> yeah. and to your listeners. So, but also, can I just say I love it? I I love this stuff. I love this stuff. I never get tired of it. I, I, I love this stuff. And, you know, um, I, I think that kids are going to still like it. And honestly, if, if I wasn't looking at it to do a movie podcast about it and it was just on, I'd be enjoying the shit out of it. You know what I mean? That's yeah. It. Yeah. 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 If you don't have to watch it with a critical eye uh, and it's just kind of on, you can background it and you'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember that scene. And then yeah. you kind of do something else. And then, oh, yeah, I remember that scene. Oh, yeah. yeah. They're doing the, the piano scene. I love the scene. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 And uh, when you uh, when we were talking about um, this is the time when the audience for this would have been kids who are going out to the mall or going to the arcade and then going to a movie. When we were talking about that, it actually literally reminded me of the date in Karate Kid when mm -hmm. she takes the or he takes the girl to the um, with the montage. Yep. Oh, yeah. Mini golf. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yeah. of course, you did uh, Karate Kid with us, uh, among other films. So we'll have links to sure. that on the show notes page. Of course, you you are a lot of fun. We love having you on and back to back two and two. Yeah. So, Thanks, uh, so anyway, um, that'll be our episode for tonight. So you can find the show notes more for this at lastnight.com slash 197. And we'll have links to all of the previous appearances of the wonderful Raylene Lightheart. And uh, Robert, next week, we have a brand new guest we've never had on before, but he's a longtime listener of the show. He's reached out to me a couple times in the past, and uh, we're finally getting him on. He goes by Reverend Lee, and he wants to talk about Swing Kids. Originally, we were talking about Train to Busan because it's uh, getting close to Halloween and we're going to get, you know, into like zombie and spooky stuff. But uh, mm -hmm, he was mm -hmm. like, you know, there's probably less to talk about in that than Swing Kids. And so that's why I presented you that question today. And you uh, you opted for the Swing Kids. And that was my exact thinking, because I've seen Train to Busan, which is a fine film, but it is. It's a zombie movie. And they're running away from zombies. And, and maybe there's a few moral choices that, you know, characters make in extreme situations. You know, do I risk my life to save this person who's probably going to die from a zombie anyway? Uh, I mean, I don't know. But it looked like Swing... I watched the trailer for Swing Kids. And that definitely looked like it's got some some content. Even though it does seem to be almost entirely about tap dancing. But it is have a setting of what, like North Korea or something? Yeah, I, I don't even know. I haven't seen it. Um, oh, okay. So we will find out. But uh, uh, Reverend Lee was saying that it, it kind of ties into Newsies, has some of the same cast. And it didn't look like there was any music, singing. Okay. 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 Yeah, good. Raylene, do you know? Does it have singing? I, I don't know, but I hate musicals. And I Thank would Robert you. on. Raylene has excellent taste. 
And there's only like I've two always or said three that. that I'll watch. <laughs> yeah, I do. I've always said Raylene has excellent taste. Yes, I do. That's right. Yes, I do. Um, you did like the movie I picked, like that I picked when I picked a movie. It was Eternal Sunshine. You liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Eternal Sunshine is a great movie. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, uh, I'm not a musical person. So, and I didn't like Newsies. Remember, I told you that. I said it was just like Mighty Ducks without all the good fart jokes. <laughs> and so I was like, <laughs> I was like, and too much singing. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. We still had a lot to talk about on that one, though. So I think, I think it was well worth the, uh, the pain and suffering of watching that and listening to the singing about going to Santa Fe. Mm-hmm. Was it? <laughs> was it though? Was it really? <laughs> I never finished Newsies. I couldn't watch it. I turned it off, guys. It's bad. I'm embarrassing. I, I, just, I can't take me anywhere. Just listen to our episode and you'll, you'll hear all you need. All right. Well, uh, anyway, thanks again, Raylene. We'll, of course, have uh, links and everything like I was saying. And uh, we will see everyone next week for Swing Kids. And uh, we'll see how that one turns out with our new friend, Reverend Lee. And uh, with that, we'll say goodnight from last night, everyone. Peace out.